glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. As I've told you already, and I won't belabor the point, but I think that faith, you know, the just shall live by faith. And uh, it is the key to the Christian life. It's just, if there's anything I've learned, and it may be simplistic, but it's what we need. We have to learn to walk and trust and, and live by faith. So continuing by faith, I'm going to read just, uh, I'm going to read the first 11 verses of this chapter, and then I'll share some things with you, and then we'll, I'll share with you, uh, hopefully, the things that would encourage you to, in what we're talking about today, continuing in faith. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 5, after this was the feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel came down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then, first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for the day that you've given us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've been able to spend fellowshipping with the people here in the church and, Lord, with the pastor and his family. Lord, it's been an encouragement to my family and I, I know, in a very great way, Lord. And it's great to be among friends, Lord. It's great to be among people where you can share the things that you have on your heart, Lord, and Lord, it's great to to just be able to be among those who love you and, Lord, desire to go forward for you and, Lord, encourage you to go forward also. And, Lord, I pray that you would just be in this message tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help me as I try to share the things that you've done in our lives, Lord, and how you have shown us and, Lord, how you have guided us. And, Lord, I pray that we would continue in faith. We would continue forward for you, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that you would be with tomorrow, Lord. Lord, as we travel, give us safety. As we go to Cut Bank, Lord, I pray that you just give us wisdom. Lord, help us as we share the gospel there in Cut Bank, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just use us, Lord. Lord, help us be an encouragement to those that we're with as they're an encouragement to us. In your name, amen. You know, as we as we talk about, we've been talking about answering in faith. We talked about um, We talked about working in faith. But, you know, there's, there's something that we haven't talked a lot about, and I think it's really important to talk about because, you know, I, I've been, most of us in here, we've been in Christ for many years, and, you know, we've been around long enough to understand that a lot of people along the way stop. 
they stop. They stop. There's many people that you've known in your life that have gone for, they have been serving the Lord, they've worked alongside you, they've rubbed shoulders with you, and they're no longer there anymore. They've, somewhere along the way, they've quit. And that's really what we're talking about tonight, continuing in faith. And you know, it's possible for each one of us to stop. It's possible for each one of us to quit going forward. And many of you have, have, Many people that are even, we could look at them and say they're even better than we are. I mean, there's been plenty of people that I thought were better Christians than me. And there's plenty of better Christians than me, trust me. (laughs) But they've somewhere along the road, they've lost sight. And they've stopped serving God and they've stopped going forward by faith. And what we want to do as Christians, God desires one thing. He said is that he values what? He wants people to be faithful. Faithful servants of his. You know what? He's not looking for fancy. He's not looking for bombastic. He's not looking for skill. He's just looking for faithful people. You know, the pastor talked about that he knows there's people in this church that he knows they're going to be here. You know, I know what he's talking about. You know, it's, it's great to have people who are just, you know that they're going to be there. You, you know that they're going to be faithful to what God's called them to do. But you know what? We're all capable of falling from that. And so we want to continue on in faith. And uh, tonight, I just want to share with you a little bit more about my own life, own life because this is just the best way I can explain to you. This, in this passage here, we see this man, and we see this man that was, he had a lot of things going against him, okay? A lot of difficulties. And, you know, as we go forward and we, we answer in faith, and then we work in faith, but, you know, as soon as we start working in faith, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be opposition, okay? There's going to be opposition. And, you know, we have three real enemies in this world, okay? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And you know what they don't want? Is they do not want you to go forward in faith. They want you to quit. And they're going to tap, they're going to throw everything in their power at you. And, I mean, they are our enemies. And they are enemies of us going forward faithfully serving God. And, uh, you know, as you, as you think about, you can think about in your own life, but I think about in my life, and I'll just share a few things, because uh, I want to share a little bit more about what we're doing in overseas. But, you know, when we started out, you know, my wife and I, I can even talk about my wife when I, you know, when I was, I was not married until I was 33. And I know there may be someone here who got married later in life, but I was 33 years old. And I know young people hate hearing that. And they're like, you know, no, I don't want to wait until I'm 33. Okay. But, you know, God didn't give me a wife until I was 33 years old. And uh, they, uh, you know, after I met Christina, I met her actually and uh, in the spring of my 32nd year. Okay. I was heading towards 33 and I met her. Uh, through a blind date of all things, okay? Now, I don't, I, I'll be honest, yeah, I, I, people had tried to set me up many times before, and I hated that, okay? I really did. And uh, when they came and tried to set me up with Christina, the truth is my first response is, no, I'm not going, okay? I, I've been through that, and I don't want to go. But, you know, God, uh, you know, God worked on my heart over the two weeks. I had promised him I'd come and see her two weeks from the time that they had asked me to visit with her. And I'm kind of cutting it short because I, I've got to, I don't want to, you, you're not going to be able to stay here all night. But, you know, as far as that, you know, I, I, God worked in my heart and he, he opened my heart to, to come and see her. I didn't know who she was and I, I met her. And, you know, as soon as we met, and I want to challenge all our young people, and I, I'm, it's my children. 
you know, listen, God will bring the right person to you. You know, it was God that brought Eve to Adam. And, you know, if you'll just wait on God, God will bring the right person to you, the person that he's prepared for you. And, you know, when, when I met Christina for the first time, Christina and I knew, we knew. You know, I'd been telling, I, people have told me that my whole life, and I was like, yeah, right, okay. But when I saw her, yes, it was really true. Uh, I wasn't love at first sight. It was that God bound our hearts together, and we knew that God had placed us together. You know, my wife had had seizures uh, before we met, and she had been diagnosed with a, with a tumor, a brain tumor. And uh, after we met, it was, we, we scheduled our marriage four months later, okay? We, uh, we knew we were going to get married. It just took me four weeks to figure out how to buy a ring and, you know, propose to her and that kind of stuff. And uh, after we proposed, after I, we, you know, she, had, she actually said yes, okay? And, you know, I was like in utter shock and fell down <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I actually proposed to her in the Indian graveyard. Okay, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I was real classy, okay? Anyway, uh, that's a long story. But anyway, um, it was a month before our wedding, and uh, she, she ended up in the hospital, and she was having seizure after seizure after seizure. And um, the doctor came, and they said, you know, Christina's got a tumor, and it's growing, and she's probably got about seven years to live. And, um, you know, you can say that's a pretty big blow, and it, it is to a point, but yet, you know, when you know it's God, can you tell you that God can give you peace in the midst of the storm? And, um, you know, I never had any doubts that this was God's will. I never had any doubts that she was the person that God had for me. Did I know that whether she would live or not? No, I didn't. I really didn't. But, you know, God is able to give you the peace that passes all understanding. But, you know, I, was get, I had surrendered to go to the mission field. Do you understand how this doesn't make any sense? I had surrendered to go to the mission field. I was on my way to the mission field. I was willing to go signal. You know, I, you know it would be very easy to say, God, why? Why are you doing this? You know, but we, like I said, the world, the flesh, and the devil is going to fight against you, and you're going to have to go through trials. This world is full of tribulations. God worked a great miracle. And guess what? Ten days after we were married, my wife had brain surgery. You remember I told you that she married me while she was on drugs, okay? She really was, okay? She couldn't remember anything. She, couldn't even, she can't even hardly remember the, mar- the wedding, okay? I don't hardly remember it either because I was so concerned about her. I wasn't thinking about the wedding and all that. But, uh, you know, 10 days after we got married, God worked a great miracle. And they went in. We had the men of the church pray over, just like the Bible says. They anointed her with oil. I believe that God is still in the, he's still in the miracle working business. I'm not saying that he had to. He could, have, he could have allowed her to die, and he could have had me spend seven years just helping her on her way to glory. But I'm so thankful that God chose to be merciful. He worked a great miracle. And they were able to remove that tumor, no damage to her brain. They said, they told me when she went in, they said, I don't even know that she'll know who you are when she comes out of surgery. She may not be able to walk. She may not be able to talk. That's what they suspected would happen. But when she came out, she could walk. She could talk. And to her everlasting grief, she still remembered me. <laughs> Listen, there's going to be problems in our life is what I'm trying to say. You know, when we got ready to go to Kyrgyzstan, we, we, we traveled to Kyrgyzstan, and, and uh, we got there, and we served for, for four years in the orphanage ministry there. You know, we went through a lot of different things, uh, 
and different accidents, and we were sharing some of those with your pastor this afternoon. But, you know, at the end of our time there, uh, we, we were attacked by terrorists, by five terrorists. Islamic terrorists broke into our home on Christmas Eve, and they held us at gunpoint. And their intentions were to kill us. And we're here tonight because God preserved us. And I don't have time to spend all the, to share with you everything that God did. But what I'm saying is, when you go forward working in faith, guess what? There's going to be opposition. There's going to be opposition of this world. There's going to be circumstances of, you know, health problems. There's going to be, listen, some of these are common to man. Some of them come about because of our service. Listen, we were attacked by terrorists because of what we were doing for the Lord. You go through these things and you have to deal with these things. And then, you know, going forward in our work as far as missionaries, can I tell you one of the hardest things a missionary ever deals with is deals with other Christians. Can I tell you, it can be hard dealing with Christians. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm just being, I'm being real here, okay? I mean, we'd like to candy coat it. We'd like to say that everything is peaches and cream and everybody gets along. But you know what? It can be really difficult, can it? And anybody that's been a Christian for long knows that. Okay, there's people, and unintentionally, intentionally, sometimes there's people that will come in our life and they'll cause great discouragement. They'll cause a lot of discouragement. There may be unrealistic expectations of what God should do with your life. And you have those expectations and they don't come to pass. You know, they don't happen the way you think they're going to happen. I wanted to stay in Kyrgyzstan the rest of my life. That's where I wanted to be. I'd surrendered to go to Kyrgyzstan. I wanted to be in Kyrgyzstan the rest of my life. You know, after that terrorist attack, we came back to the United States. I didn't even want to leave Kyrgyzstan after the terrorist attack. I wanted to stay there. But my pastor, and I really it was the Lord through my pastor, said you need to come back to the United States. And the truth is I needed to come back because I just could not see. I was so, you know, I could, you couldn't see the forest for the trees. You know that saying? And I, I didn't realize how bad I was. I couldn't understand how worn out I was, how discouraged I was. Because I just was in the battle and I was fighting for every single day, trusting God for every single day. And I needed to pull away. You know, even Jesus took his disciples and he set them aside sometimes so that they could spend time with him. And that's what I needed. It took me about six months, six months of God just working on my heart until I said, okay, God. It's your will and not my will. You know, after that, I was praying and I was asking God, so I, I, I believe that God still wanted us to go to the mission field, but I'll be honest with you, there's many times when I said, God, am I finished? You know, what should I do? Am I done? And I was praying and I was asking God, and it, it was almost the end of furlough. It was time to go back to somewhere. And God was, I was just saying, God, what are we going to do? Lord, I, I believe that you called me to go to the mission field. Lord, what should I do? And it was during that time that God laid on my heart the country of Slovenia. And then I was, it was three weeks before we were, we had, I'm sorry, it was three meetings before we were supposed to leave. And I was sitting there and I was, we were ready. I didn't even know how we were going to get into Slovenia. I didn't know what, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a clue. I just was trusting God. And then the last three meetings, I was in Jacksonville, North Carolina, was one of them. And God's like, the pastor came up to me and said, Brother Daniel, have you prayed about, I want, have you, would you pray about going to Aviano, Italy? Have you ever thought about going there? They need someone to go there. And my first response was no. No. 
because I wanted to work with nationals. And I went to the second to the last church, and the pastor, it was 100 mile, a couple hundred miles away, different pastor. The pastor came up to me and said, Daniel, they need you in Aviano, Italy. Would you, would you consider going to Aviano, Italy? And I was finally, I was like, okay, God. If that's where you want me to go, I'll go. I wasn't real excited, to be honest with you, but I said, okay, God, if that's where you want me to go, I'll go. I went to the last church, and it was a conference, and, and God, uh, God had put us there in, in Richmond, Virginia. It was a conference. And uh, there we were meeting in a hotel, and there was a uh, – the, the uh, pastor told us to meet down in the lobby. They, it was a church plant. And uh, so I went down to the lobby, and there was, there was an older man down there. And I could tell he was a missionary. He, he had to be there. Way he was in a suit, coat, and tie, and everything. And I went over and I shook his hand, and he said, "My name is Brother Elberson, the BIMI Military Ministry Director." And I said, "This is a man I need to see." And so, as a result of that, he, he I said, I said to the Lord, I said, "If this is really what you want me to do, God, I'm not going to ask him. He's going to have to ask me." And so Brother Albertson, it was the second night of the conference, he came up to me, and you know what he said, right? He said, Brother Daniel, we need you in Aviano, Italy. Would you pray about going? And I said, Brother Albertson, God's already told me to go. I'll go. Just tell me what I need to do. Listen, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. It was what God wanted me to do. It wasn't a question of whether it was what I wanted. It was would I continue in faith, trusting God. So we went to Aviano, Italy, and and God blessed, and we saw some great things. God did some great things, but you know what? There was problems. Really quick, there was problems. And there was difficulties. And there was struggles, and I, I, I don't feel like I can share all of those things with you because I don't want to say anything that would hurt anybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we had to deal with some issues, and they were hard issues. And then we moved over to Savinia, and we were moving forward. We were excited. God replaced us there in Aviano. We started in Savinia, and we were excited about what God was doing, and we were moving forward. And then they started a couple of years ago, about three years ago, we started having some difficulties. You know, we started struggling with some things. I mean, we had back, I had a, my back gave out, and I was flat on my back for four months. And then there was some other issues where just, there was people that had discouraged us. Can I just say it that way? There was people who were saying, it isn't worth it. It isn't worth the time. It isn't worth the money. It isn't worth all these things. And there was people that were very, uh, you know, down upon what God was doing in Savinia. And I'll just be honest with you. We, for three years, it's been hard. And I was asking God, and there was many times in my life that I was asking God, God, do you really want me to continue on? Is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? You know, I could go back to the United States and, you know, is it really worth taking my family through this? Is it really worth the, 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 the conflict? Is it worth putting my family through this? I could take them back to the United States and I could serve God. I could serve you back there, Lord. I could just raise my family to love Jesus instead of going through the things that we're going through. And, you know, there's, there are so many people that I know that were missionaries, and many of them have left the field, many pastors that were pastors, many Christians who are just faithfully serving God in their local church, and they've gone through things like this, and it's caused them to lose their faith in what God was doing, and it's caused them to quit and to turn back from what God, had the, what God called them to do. 
And what we don't want to do as Christians is, listen, we, want to, we do not want to quit on God. We want to continue in faith. And I want to share with you three things out of this passage that I shared with you this morning. I mean this morning. I'm sorry. I'm tired too, okay? This evening. And it's in verse 11. This is a verse that God gave me when we were at the lowest point of our ministry this last year. When this missionary and his wife had just about had enough. God gave us this verse. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. We were reading in our family devotions this passage, and God gave us this verse. It was right around that time I got a phone call from my friend, Pastor Worf, Chris Worf, who was serving my replacement in Aviano. And he said, Brother Daniel, would you pray about coming back to Aviano? And when there seemed to be no hope and no path forward, God opened the door for us to step through, to trust him one more time. And what I want to share with you is the three things that God spoke to our heart about continuing in faith. The first thing I want you to see is what he said. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me. Can I tell you the first thing we see in this passage is remember who made you whole. Remember who made you whole. Listen, this world is going to throw everything at it, at you that it can. It does not want you to continue in faith. It wants you to give up. It wants you to think that it isn't worth going on. That it would just be better to stop. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ has made us whole. One day, as a young child, He touched my heart and convicted me of my sin. One day, he revealed himself to me, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He is the one that made us whole. He is the one that has commanded us to go forward. It is not man. It is not religion. It is not all the things, our emotions. It is the one who made us whole. When things go wrong, when you are discouraged, remember who made you whole. I love the passage. If you'll just turn over to the next page, it's a, just the next chapter. In the chapter there, we see at the end of the chapter, if you look all the way at the end, we see that Jesus, If you just to give you some insight here without reading the whole passage, it says that just before this, Jesus was preaching and he was talking about the fact that if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part. In verse 66, it tells us that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And I tell you, Peter made a lot of mistakes in his life, but I can tell you one thing he understood. He knew who had made him whole. He knew that it was Jesus Christ. And you know what? Peter went through some dark times in his life. But you know what kept him going? He remembered who had made him whole. And if we're going to go forward for God, if we're going to continue in faith, if we're going to continue our Christian life serving and trusting God, we're going to have to remember who made us whole. But the other thing I want you to see in this passage, if you look back there in verse 11, I want you to see the next thing he says. He says, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed. Take up thy bed. Listen, can I tell you that God, Jesus Christ, gave this man a purpose. He gave him a purpose, and that purpose was to take up his bed. And if you think about this, Christ has given each one of us a bed to carry. He's given us a purpose. You know, the worst, the people, the the quickest people to quit, whether in any kind of operation, whether in Christianity or in this world or in a job, are people without a purpose. And you know, a lot of times when we get tired and we get discouraged and we say, is it worth going forward? It's because we've forgotten who has made us whole and we've forgotten the purpose that God has given to us. And can I tell you that God has given a purpose to each and every one of us. You say, well, I'm just here and I'm a faithful member. You know what? God's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for you to be here. Do you realize that we're the body of Christ and each one of us has a purpose? And you may not think your purpose is very important, but listen, He has got you here for a purpose. You're here because He's placed you here. And He's got a purpose. You know, we're not all the head and we're not all the finger and we're not all the toe and we're not all the shin. We're each one of us in the body of Christ to accomplish a purpose. And he's given you that purpose. And if you want to go forward for Christ, if you want to continue in faith, you've got to remember the purpose that he's given you. You personally, not the pastor, not everybody else, but you personally. Remember the purpose. Have a purpose in your life. If you'll have a purpose, you won't quit. You won't quit. But I also want you to see also in verse that, that same verse, verse 11, I want you to see the third thing. Take up thy bed and walk. Walk. You know what? We need to, if we're going to continue in faith, we have to remember who it is that made us whole. If we're going to continue in faith, we need to remember that he has a purpose for us. And take hold of that purpose and pick up the bed. And then we need to do one last thing. Walk. Walk. What do I mean by walk? You have to walk by faith. One step at a time. When the skies are dark and everything seems impossible and you're discouraged and you don't want to go forward and you don't want to wake up, you don't want to get out of bed. Have you ever been there? You just don't want to even get out of bed anymore. You know what? We've got to get out and we've got to take One step by faith. One step. And then when we take that step, we take the next step. And then we take the next step. It's not about knowing what the end is going to be. It's about just taking one step at a time. You think about this man. 
do you realize that that first step was a step of faith? I know you may not realize it, but this man had laid for 38 years. Do you know what happens to someone who doesn't use their legs for 38 years? The muscles completely disappear. It's not that they're there and they're weak. They're gone. They are absolutely gone. I have a friend. He was in the Army. He was a Green Beret. He taught school with me. He jumped out of an airplane over the Olympian Peninsula in Washington. He landed on top of one of those big spruce trees and fell all the way down through and hit every branch on the, on the way down. Broke his back in multiple places. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He's a pastor now in Cleveland, Tennessee. But if you, and he walks, but it's a miracle of God, but he doesn't have any legs. It's, he's got braces on his legs. If you look at his legs, his legs are about that big. There's no muscles there. They're gone. That man didn't have any muscles. God gave him new muscles. Do you realize that if someone were to get new muscles, if we could take a person like my friend, Brother Robert, and we could transplant new muscles into his body and we could connect the nerves again and we could help him so he had muscled legs now, do you realize it would take him months and months, maybe even years of therapy to be able to take the first step? And yet this man, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He had to take that first step by faith. God wants us to continue in faith. We're going to continue in faith as we remember who it is that made us whole. We're going to continue in faith as we remember the purpose he's given us. And we're going to continue in faith as we take one step at a time. I want to close the service by giving you just one last example. This example I've given mainly to young people in the past, but I, want to, I feel like God would have me to give you this. I challenge young people because there's, it's really important that you come to a point, and maybe even the older people, there may be someone here tonight, that they've never learned to trust God one step at a time. When I was a young man, I was 17 years old. I turned 18. I actually turned, I'm sorry, I turned 18 that summer. So I was the age of these two young people. My uncle had a dairy farm. I would spend all my summers on the dairy farm. I grew up in church, if you remember, I told you before. And, you know, we as Christians, we always want the big picture. You know what I'm talking about? We want to know what is God going to do way out there in the future. And we always think big, but you know what? God really wants us just to focus on him today. And, you know, I grew up in church, and I knew all the right things to say and all that, but I had never really come to that point where I really put my trust and faith. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about learning to walk by faith. And, I, you know, I say this to young people, but I say this to all people, that the God of your fathers has to become your God. He has to be your God. And, you know, that was where I first learned to start putting my faith in God. As an 18-year-old, I believe I was probably 18. I was either 17 or 18. It was in July of that year. And I was working on my uncle's farm. And that year, I was I'd working full-time for him. And, uh, you know, everybody, when they go to the farm, what do they love to do? They love to... I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, how many of you love tractors? Do you like tractors? I know you like tractors, okay? <laughs> okay, I know there's at least one tractor lover in here, okay? Uh, 
you know, I love, you know, all farm kids love tractors, right? My uncle had bought a brand new John Deere tractor. It was, it was, it wasn't a big one. We had a small farm. It was a four-wheel drive, 85 horse, and it was, it was beautiful. You know, you could shift it on the fly. I was used to driving all these old tractors. They were, you know, 50 years, well, they weren't 50, but they were probably 30, 40 years old. You had to stop them, and you couldn't, you couldn't get them into gear and stuff, and everybody wanted to drive that tractor. And that was my dream. I wanted to drive that tractor, you know. Well, I was a low man on the totem pole, and so, you know, through the whole first part of the summer, I never got to drive that tractor. And it came to about the mid part of the summer, and uh, one day at lunchtime, my uncle was passing out assignments, and he said, Daniel, I want you to take the John Deere, hook it up to the mower. We had a brand-new mower, too. You know, hook it up to that mower and go out there and cut the hay behind the heifer barns. And it was 10 acres of hay that stood Stood about that tall. Stood about that tall. And uh, so it was thick. It was clover and alfalfa and timothy. It was really thick hay. Second cutting, and uh, I was excited, man. I got out there. I got that tractor, and, you know, I was going to make my uncle proud. My uncle was the kind of man that you wanted to please. And so I, I got that tractor, and I pulled it up to the diesel tank, and I, I got the diesel, and I, I put the hose. It was one of those old, it had a crank pump on it, if some of you guys may know what I'm talking about, and, uh, you know, I got, I got that thing up there, and I started cranking that, and, you know, it goes like, okay, and I pumped that thing up and filled it all up, and I, you know, put the hose away and jumped up on the tractor, fired that thing up, and I was ready to go, you know, I had the mower hooked to it, got out there in that field of hay, you know, it had no cab or anything, so, you know, the wind in your hair and everything like that, you know, I really loved it, went out there and cut 10 acres of hay. And I uh, had a great time. It took me about two or three hours of cutting that hay. And uh, came back, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do this right so my uncle will let me drive this tractor again. Because he was always complaining that nobody ever filled the tractor up, right? So I pulled it back up to the diesel tank, and I, I, ju- I got the hose, and I jumped up on the wheel to put the hose into the tank. It was up there on the hood of the tractor. And now when I did that, I got up there, and you know there was something missing. It was a big red gas cap. You know those big John Deere red gas caps? It was gone. It was gone. See, I hadn't put it back on. And I'd lost it out there in that field of hay someplace. You know, when I was just like, you know, this is impossible. I went out there. My, my, my heart sunk. You know, you say, well, that's no big deal. Is this a gas cap? You know, he can go buy a new gas cap. But this is my uncle that, you know, he trusted me with that tractor. You know, and I wanted to do my very best. You know what? We want to do our very best for God. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to do my very best. And I didn't want to go tell my uncle I'd lost his brand, his gas cap off his brand near John Deere tractor. And I looked, I went out around the corner. The heifer barn was kind of at the, the barn was kind of a long drawn out thing. And the heifer barn was at the back. And I went out there and I got at the corner of the heifer barn. I was looking out at 10 acres of mowed hay. And I was like, you know, those big windrows they get, you know. And I was like, there is no way that I can find that gas cap. It, you know, there's no way. And I, I looked back down the barn, and at the other end was where my uncle was milking the cows. I could already hear the compressor going and everything. And I knew that he was milking the cows. And uh, I didn't want to go tell him. And I, I, I kind of I was vacillating back and forth. You know, should I go tell my uncle? Should I? And I, I didn't want to tell him. And I looked back out across that field of hay. And I, to be honest, I didn't have a whole lot of faith. 
I was just 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I knew a lot about God. But I really had never experienced God really doing something special in my life other than so I, I, I don't want to minimize that salvation is very special. But what I'm saying is I had never come to that point where I just trusted God with my daily life. And I looked out across that, and, you know, I grew up in church, and they said, you know, pray. And I said, well, I guess I'll just pray and ask God. So I prayed, and I'll be honest, you're totally disbelieving that God could do anything. And I prayed and asked God. I said, God, could you help me find this gas cap? And I had no faith that God would do it. I'm just being honest. I had no faith that God could find that gas cap. And so I, I looked, and I said, I don't want to go tell my uncle. So I told myself, I said, I'll walk across this hayfield one time, just one time. There was a tree way out across that field. It was a big, I don't know, it was either an oak or a maple. You know, it was a big, huge, round thing. I could see it way out across the field. I said, I'll walk to that tree, and I'll come back. And I was really telling myself the whole time, I was like, Daniel, this is stupid. God can't do this. You're being an idiot. Just walk and tell your uncle. You know, this is where we are a lot of times in our lives. We're discouraged, and we're seeing the impossibilities, and we're seeing a field full of hay, and it doesn't seem like there's any hope, and everything's gone against us. We've tried to do everything right, and it just seems like we failed. And I looked out across that field, and I started walking across the field. You know what I was telling myself the whole time? Because I took one step at a time. I'd go over those windrows, and I would look to the, I'm going to make sure I look to the left, I look to the right. Not very good on directions, okay? <laughs> Don't ask me. And the whole time I was saying, Daniel, you're an idiot. Just quit. Just quit. Go back and tell your uncle. And I'd go each room row. And I would look both ways. And the whole time, I'm like, just quit. Go back. This is stupid. And I just took another step. And I got about halfway across the field. I didn't see anything. And I said, well, I've come this far. Let's just go a little bit further. But I was still saying I'm an idiot. And I kept on walking. And I came right to that tree. And there, right to the left, a couple feet to the left, sitting on the back swath, which if you, I don't know if you've ever mowed hay, but it's the last row that you mow. It's where you drive the tractor through the field to start your mowing, and you come in reverse to mow that last strip of hay around the field. It's the last thing you do, right on top of that back swath, sitting right on top of that windrow, was a big red gas cap. Now, I can't explain it. I can't tell you how it got there except one person, God. I've tried to figure it out. There isn't any figuring it out. God put that gas cap on top of that windrow. What was he trying to teach me? Take one step at a time. When everything seems to go wrong, just continue in faith. When you doubt that God is able to do anything, just continue in faith. You know, when I came back across that field, I wasn't walking anymore. I was running. God had done a great thing. God can still help us, no matter how dark it is. No matter 
in how inadequate we are, God is still able if we'll just continue in faith.